handcrafted and American-made right here in the USA. B Pro Kennels is bringing you a premium-built dog box unlike anything you've ever seen before. Built from a full-tube frame, aluminum powder-coated shell, built-in lockable storage, and oh, did you forget to charge those dog collars before you left? No worries, B-Pro has you covered with their built-in solar panel and battery bank to take care of all your charging needs while out on the road chasing birds this fall. Give them a serious look at bprokennels.com. You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. This podcast is also sponsored by Anook Shook Professional Dog Food and Trinity Bretons, home of the Epignol Breton. All good things start with a solid foundation. At Final Rise, all three of their premium Upland vests are built around the foundational waist belt to provide you all-day comfort and endless customization. With a secure waist belt and a thin, high-quality shoulder harness, which sits perfectly along the back, holding everything in place. Durable, premium Upland gear, made here in my neighboring state of Herber, Utah. Check them out at finalrise.com. Also, be sure to check out the brand new Sidekick Vest, which is the perfect ultra-light, ultra-minimalistic vest that you'll be rocking in the hills this season. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson, and this is episode 51. Now, in today's episode, I sit down with Andy Waymond. Uh, now, Andy, you may have recognized uh, the name. Uh, Andy is an author and an avid upland bird hunter uh, up in Idaho. And so you may have uh, read some of Andy's work, uh, whether it's through uh, some of his books that he's written, maybe uh, the blog that him and his brother Sean started a while back called Upland Ways. Um, or some articles that Andy has, has had published in a few hunting magazines. So uh, you may be familiar with his work. Um, I just got done reading his most recent book called Idaho Upland Days. Um, and I just have to tell you, it was a fantastic read. Um, it's broken up into some short stories um, that Andy has captured over the years. And I, I can't tell you, I was sitting on my back deck uh, reading a couple chapters a day and uh, it just brings you in. It has a way of bringing you into the story, into what that moment might have been like, and uh, some of the things that Andy and his family and friends might have experienced. And so um, it got me so fired up for this season coming up here, and uh, I think it's going to do the same for you. Um, it was it was inspiring. It made me laugh. Um, didn't make me cry yet, but um, it, it really was a book that um, brought me in, inspired me, and 
and um, I think you'll really, really enjoy that. So that's Idaho Upland Days. That's Andy's newest book. Uh, he's got a couple other ones out. He's got a fly fishing book as well as Idaho Ruffed Grouse, uh, which he wrote uh, a while back. And so this episode, we get to talk with Andy more, uh, of course, about the book and some of his writing, but really, um, you know, what is it like hunting in Idaho? And uh, we, we kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and talk about um, some more of the stories in the book and some of the dogs and people and experiences. Um, we also talk about some of Andy's shooting, <laughs> um, which, you know, we'll, we'll let you, uh, we'll let you hear that for yourself, but, um, I appreciate, uh, what Andy put forward here in this book called Idaho Upland Days. Hey, a couple announcements for you before we dive into the interview. Um, we have the summer fall kickoff giveaway happening over at patreon.com. So uh, if you're not a Patreon supporter yet, uh, I would highly suggest you head over to Patreon, look up the Upland Rookie podcast and um, get entered for the giveaway. We have some incredible prizes planned for the next uh, several months. Um, So I have... Uh, several companies um, who are uh, have some incredible gear up for grabs. And so it's going to be winner's choice. I'm going to pick uh, one winner uh, each of the next four months. So there's going to be a July winner, an August, September, and October. Um, so it's going to be winner's choice on what they win. And so the July winner, if they take an item, and then, then that item is going to be gone. Then there'll be three items left, and uh, the next winner can pick which uh, item they would like. And so uh, teamed up with, of course, Final Rise, uh, Matt Davis over there. Huge shout out to him. Uh, it's going to be any vest that the winner would like. So that means the brand new Sidekick vest, the Summit, the Legacy vest, color of your choice, of course. And so that's going to be an incredible uh, prize you could pick there. There's a Gunner Fan Kit 2.0. There is a Cable Gangs tie-out system. Now you can go with an, uh, a two-dog system with ground stakes. Um, I just got these uh, n- new ground stakes here from Brennan over at cable gangs and they're really really nice really happy with those or you can do a four dog system but that's not going to come with ground stakes again that's gonna be winner's choice which option you would choose from that Um, as well as uh, a knife from upland knife company now these are some of the sweetest looking uh, handcrafted knives uh, you're gonna find, and so this knife's gonna have the uh, the podcast logo engraved right into it, and so uh, it's gonna come with a nice sheath, and uh, it's just a really really quality knife from Upland Knife Company. So some great giveaways. You have to be signed up on Patreon.com and with the Upland Rookie Podcast. Um, the The basic wing shooter level is going to get your name in the hat twice. The elite wing shooter level is going to get your name in the hat five times. And the gold level wing shooter is going to get your name in the hat 10 times. So I'm just saying um, your chances of winning are very, very high right now. Uh, There's only about 15 Patreon supporters, which is amazing. And so um, again, chances of winning are very high. (laughs) So head on over to Patreon, uh, get signed up, uh, become a supporter, and uh, you're gonna have a a really good chance at walking away with some really sweet gear um, as we head into season. Hey, I did a, uh, a bonus episode series, Tailgate Talk with Jeremy. Uh, released it last Friday. Um, I've actually got a few, um, few very positive responses from that. And so um, I know a couple of you have, have messaged in with some suggestions on topics that Jeremy and I uh, would unpack in a, in a shorter, condensed episode, uh, by, uh, do a bi-weekly kind of thing. So keep uh, some suggestions coming. If there's a topic or an idea that you'd like to hear Jeremy and I uh, kind of chat about for 
for you know 10 or 15 minutes uh shoot it over to me uh, either email or instagram and uh, we'll get that schedule it was a lot of fun so jeremy you are not off the hook yet sir the people want to hear more from uh the mustached wonder up in north dakota so anyways guys that's uh, that's really all the announcements i have don't forget uh if you're looking at a dog box check out b pro kennels um the month of july you are going to save 30 percent um off a dog box system again they're they're expensive it's it's a quality premium built uh product and so it's expensive but when you take 30 percent off that you're going to save uh, over a thousand dollars um on on a dog box and again he's got uh, ben has the kind of the standard two hole design on the website right now but if you're looking to customize something and, and there's something that you need tweaked to fit your need, reach out to Ben Proctor at B Pro Kennels. He is more than happy to work with you on design and, and customization to make sure you get the dog box that's going to be right for you um, and your setup and your needs. So again, July only, you're going to save 30%. Use uh, promo code Rookie15. No, no, not Rookie15. Rookie30. <laughs> So Rookie 30 is going to save you 30% off uh, of a B-Pro uh, Kennels dog box. Month of July only. So August 1st hits, that discount code is no longer available. So 30% is going to save you a ton of money. Uh, if you've ever thought about a dog box, check them out, bprokennels.com. All right, we're going to dive into the interview here with Andy Wayman. So you just, you just have Rainy right now, right? You just have the one dog? Um, I actually have a, uh, my daughter has a golden retriever that we're going to try to hunt this year. Oh, that's right. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. That's exciting. Yeah. Her name is Aki and nice. uh, she's a retrieving fool. So hopefully she's got some hunt left in her. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. Was it, was the intent to, to get her so you could hunt with her or was it kind of just a family, family dog? Well, or? We have friends that, uh, that have the mother and the mother is just such a pleasant dog. Very smart. And, uh, just, you know, I, I, I looked at that dog. I said, I can hunt that dog. So we just decided to get one of the pups and I really do love the retriever breeds. Yeah. So I thought, what the heck we'll try it. Yeah, so, definitely. If not, then it's, if not, then it's my daughter's dog and, and she's a nice dog. So yeah. Yeah. No harm there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, cool. We'll kind of jump right in. Um, Andy, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit of, of who you are and uh, also put us on a map. Where are you talking to us from today? No problem. Um, I live in Idaho Falls. My name is Andy Wayment. I'm an attorney by profession. I've been practicing law for about 20 years now. Um, I'm a passionate outdoorsman. Um, I, I love to hunt. I love to fish. Um, I've written three books now, one on fly fishing, two on bird hunting. And, uh, I've also published numerous articles and I write for the Upland ways blog. So, you know, kind of have a presence, somewhat of a presence in the out in the, in out the outdoors and on Instagram and social media. So, yeah, that's fantastic. That's, that's awesome. I, um, yeah, I, I, I met, I guess I was again, I heard about you, I think through your brother, probably. And I heard your brother on a podcast a long, long time ago and then got me into Instagram. And then I found you. I was like, oh, wow, what the heck? <laughs> these guys are, these guys are related. That's awesome. Yeah, we're brothers. Yeah. My, my brother Sean's big inspiration to me. 
Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. I know we're going to get into uh, a little more of your story, kind of your upbringing. Uh, you know, I want to learn more about where that passion came from for the outdoors um, and talk about your new book that you have, have out here, um, awesome. which, which I've really, really enjoyed. Um, but we also, you and I share in common, large families. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. And uh, you, we and I've, we've connected and uh, helps me not feel as crazy, I guess. Is that the right way to put it? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. You know, I think there's a scripture that says, that, you know, the, the, you're kind of like an archer and the more arrows you have in your yes. quiver, the happier you'll be. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. just call me the happy archer. Totally, totally. It might be crazy around our house sometimes, but yeah. I'm a happy archer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We've got uh, four daughters and, and two sons. My oldest, Emma, is 25 and my youngest is, is 10, almost 11. So okay. Okay. that's Ben. That's so yeah. fun. Yeah. Lots of fun. I understand you have five or six, five and five and one on the way, one on the way. Yeah. Excellent. Yep. So we got, okay. uh, we got our last one due in September. So bird season planning might not, not have been great, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully you still get to get out and, you know, get, get yeah. into the uplands, but that is important. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know you're an avid fly fisherman too. Is that, is that kind of just to help pass the time between bird season for you? It, you know, I, back when I first started fly fishing, I would have told people that it, it, it's my number one passion and it mm. still is, you know, cause right. I do it a lot and I, and I love it. But you know, when bird hunting season comes, I, that's all I want to do. I don't, mm. I don't fish during the bird hunt season much yeah. at all. Yeah. So I love them both. To me, they're the two sides of the same coin. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, awesome. I wouldn't trade one or the other. I, I love them both, but there's something yeah. special about being in the grouse woods with your bird dog. Absolutely. Well, I've, I've seen you, you post quite a bit throughout the summer as you bring your little rainy dog your little Brittany with you fly fishing quite a bit. <laughs> Is that yeah. right? Yes, I do. And that's like, sometimes I regret that decision. <laughs> I took her to Birch Creek with me just to, you know, over Memorial day weekend. I think I hooked her three times. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Poor dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she wants to retrieve my fish and it just oh, drives, gosh. It drives I've me seen crazy. Her. I've seen her with a couple of fish in her mouth. Yeah. Yeah. She's always going after him. She gets excited. She really enjoys it. So oh, that's, that's so fun. It's good to get her out. I'm sure. And just tag along for the adventure, You bet. which is always fun. Andy, where, where did this, um, again, kind of want to start with you and, and we'll dive into some more as we go, but where did, where did kind of the out, the love for the outdoors and this passion grow for fly fishing, upland hunting, birds, dogs, all that stuff. Like where did that kind of start to develop for you and, and take a hold? I love that question. Thanks for asking it. Um, you know, we had my, my dad, Keith Wayman was one of the most passionate outdoorsmen you'll ever, ever meet. He really loved to hunt. He, he loved to fish. He loved to take us kids fishing. And, uh, so we spent a lot of time outdoors with my dad. Um, he was most, mostly a big game hunter, but we did have a Springer Spaniel when we were a kid. Uh, that was actually my dog, but I was too young to hunt with it. The name was Charlie Brown. So that's kind of where the, the inkling, if you will, for, for, uh, bird hunting came from was, was from having that dog as a kid. Um, but fishing, I, I attribute solely to him. I mean, he just loved to fish and he'd take us kids and he'd spend most of the time, you know, untangling or baiting hooks or tying on new hooks and, or stringing fish for us. But 
he just had a passion for it and he just giggle when he was in the outdoors. He'd just be so excited about it. So we kind of, I kind of got that from him and, mm-hmm. and attribute that to him. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, was it, I guess with bird hunting then was that cause your brother, Sean, is he, where are you at in the age order of your, are you on the younger side? I'm in the middle. You're in the so middle. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm the fourth of eight kids and Sean is the second. And I would okay. say that my love of bird hunting comes from Sean. He's been the biggest okay. influence for me okay. in that, in that regard. Okay. Yeah. And you talked about that a little bit in your book and just kind of getting out there on your first, in your first hunt with him. And that sounds pretty special. When you, when you think about now, Andy, you know, again, you've been bird hunting for a long time. What, what's the kind of that driving factor that, that keeps you coming back, you know, each fall, each September, what's that thing that, that you, you wake up and go, all right, here we go. This is, this is it. You know, I think a lot of people would say, oh, it's all about the dogs or it's, you know, but, but to, to me, it's this, you know, it's the sum of all the parts, I guess you could say, but, but I, I love bird dogs. I love hunting with Britneys. I, I love the grouse woods. I love hunt, you know, the places that they t- it takes you. But I would say, as I thought about this, um, the overriding factor for me is probably the piece that I feel when I'm out. I have a very stressful profession and there's just something about being in the woods that just kind of takes that away. You know, you can escape from that. So I just love to be outdoors. I love to, to be in nature and to feel close to my creator. And I, I really, I really just appreciate that experience. Yeah. So it's, it's the best time of the year too. It's the most beautiful time of the year. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. And, and th- yeah, it's hard to, just, you, you describe that really well. Sometimes it's hard to describe to people like what, what we get to feel out there, you know, walking, walking the woods or the prairies with our dogs. Like it's, it's hard to describe sometimes to someone maybe who, who doesn't hunt or, or get to experience that. Um, Cause it's, it's a special, special thing. It is for sure. And it, it's a challenge, you know, it's challenging. Um, yeah. That's one thing about fly fishing is I, I could say, I, I feel like I'm a, a very good fly fisherman and that it's not so hard for me as, as maybe it is for other people, mm-hmm. but I've always found wing shooting to be a challenge yeah. and it's fun too. So yeah, I just, yeah. there's just a lot of satisfaction that comes when you, when everything comes together, you know, I always tell people that the pinnacle of outdoor sport is when your dog locks up on point and then you make that shot. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things a, uh, in your book you wrote is, I think it's a chapter title called hunting is hope. Yes. There's, there's that, um, there's not a, there's no guarantee. There's, no, there's none a, at all. Like you talk about, there's, there's a hope of being successful, but that's, that's kind of the thing, you know, a, a guarantee is different. You go, okay, oh, I know I'm going to find birds. I know I'm going to shoot birds. It, no, there's, there's none of that. You, none of that. You've kind of learned how to appreciate, and I'd love you, maybe you expand on this, but like, appreciate that time with your dog, your, your friends, your family, the, the creation. I think that's the beautiful part, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you never have a guarantee when you go out bird hunting, but, but you go out with that hope that you're going to succeed and that, you know, and, and I think if you have that, that mentality, then when you actually do succeed, it's that much sweeter, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So absolutely does. Absolutely does. I, I noticed when you were talking, you did not mention, uh, Chucker Hills. You said beautiful, <laughs> beautiful to be out in the woods and the prairies. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I am. I, I call myself the world's worst, worst 
chucker hunter. So <laughs> it's not my favorite. Um, I do enjoy it. I, and I do love to get out there, but usually I end up hunting chuckers dead last and <laughs> as the last resort, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. I, was get, I was getting a good chuckle about that. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of fun. I, I'm glad, glad to uh, entertain. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not chucker hunted yet, but I've, I've heard the stories. I've interviewed a few people on here about chucker hunting and it, it sounds everything that I can imagine <laughs> to be. It, it's well, when you have to hike all the way uphill and then they flush downhill and they, they just, to me, they do, they do not play fair <laughs> and they laugh at you the whole way. So. Oh. <laughs> Um, in Idaho, how many side note, how many upland birds are in Idaho, the state of Idaho? I think see, I'd have to count them all, but I, I at one time counted nine. So we have five okay. grouse species. We have pheasant, we have uh, chucker, we have huns and valley quail. I'm okay. trying to think. Yeah. So I think that's, that makes nine. Okay. Okay. It's hard, hard to do math live on a podcast, but yeah, I hope I did ma- my math. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully someone, someone check us. <laughs> There's uh, supposedly Bob whites as well, but I've never seen a wild Bob white in Idaho. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and you also talk about, you know, pheasant aren't real. I mean, they're there, right? Wild pheasant, but they are not from the sounds of it in very, uh, in large quantities. Is that right? And, and they're, well, they're pretty wily. Idaho used to be one of the best areas for in the West for pheasant hunting. And there are still some pockets, mostly on private property. But I always joke that uh, Idaho's uh, uh, pheasants are an endangered species in Idaho because <laughs> you just don't see them, and I just don't hunt. I don't hunt them that much. Yeah. But yeah. but they are around, and there are some some good areas. Sure. But but pheasant hunting in Idaho is tough. <laughs> it's like a gold medal if you if you yeah. land one of those, right? Yeah, it's like shooting that trophy buck, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, you know, one thing you write about in the book quite a bit, and I, I know just again, having, having your large family, all your, all your kids, um, is, is getting kids out into the woods, the prairies, just exploring with you, whether it's fishing or just getting them in the outdoors. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of, of that in your own life and, and kind of what you've seen, uh, seeing the impact that that's had on your own kids? You bet. I'd be, be happy to talk about that. You know, I, like I said, I have six kids and every single one of them has spent time with me, you know, bird hunting or fly fishing. And I wouldn't say that all of them have a passion for it, but some of them have are starting to. And so it's, it's just been one of the joys of my outdoor experience to, to be able to share that with my kids, to have them see what the dogs are capable of, what they were bred for. That's a special thing. And, uh, you know, it's, I always say that, you know, I love to spend time with my hunting companions, my friends, but there's just something special about sharing that moment with one of your kids, you know, and I hope that someday they will want to pick that up and, and carry on with the legacy, but you know, that's, that's their choice. So I don't sure. force it on them, sure. but, but I always invite. And uh, yeah. a lot of times they take me up on it. Yeah. 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 You're, you're giving them yeah, the opportunity. I mean, you know, Hey, do you want to come? You do you not want to. And I think that's, that's, that's the cool part where it's, it's their choice. They get to come. There was, there was one, I was chuckling this part. I was reading the other day in your book about, it was a hunt. You were, you were, you kind of came home. You had, it was a quick hunt you had to do. And you're, like, you're asking who wants to go. I think it was your four-year-old at the time. 
she's like, Oh, I'll go. And you're like, well, maybe next weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't take her that time because of the snow. And I promised her that I would take her the next weekend, but the next weekend we had like a foot of snow in October. Oh God. So I'm like, I'm not going to take a four year old when it's, when we got snow on the ground. So I did take her and I did write about taking her yep. in Eden Dawn, which is the next chapter. Yeah. That was, so, that was, that was fantastic. I was getting yeah. a chuckle because I, I, I've had that. I've had where, you know, my, he's a five-year-old now, but yeah, a couple of years ago, even the train dogs, he wanted to come at three and, and or young side of four. And there were, sometimes I would just, Oh buddy. Like I just, you know, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, sometimes, you know, we have, we want to be quick or something, you know, happens, but um, the five-year-old right now, he is, he is all about just, you know, the, the pigeons and the birds and going out and training dogs. And it's a really fun thing to see. Yeah. yeah. Well, you read about my oldest son's first hunt. Yes. (laughs) Tommy. (laughs) Yes. Tommy. You know, that was, that was my over eagerness to get him out, you know? And at that point we didn't know that he had some sensitivities to loud noises and smells. And so, you know, the first time I took him out, it was a bit overwhelming for him. Yeah. You know, and, uh, that was one of those days where you just got into the birds like crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did. I hope I didn't scar him for life, but <laughs> I was going to ask I was going to ask this. He, I mean, how old is he now? Does he still come out with you? And, um, he, yeah, he does. Uh, Thomas is actually 18. He's, he's working in a uh, fishing camp in Alaska right now. So oh, he loves, wow. he loves the outdoors, not so much, uh, the bird hunting yet, but I think it's just a matter of time for him. Yeah. Before he yeah. comes around. I, I could feel you. I could feel the stress level. I was reading that chapter with, with the, your hunt with Tommy. I could feel just because you, the, the birds were plentiful and, but then he had Tommy and he was you know having a hard time. It was. Yeah. Every time I'd shoot the gun, just so, so that your listeners know, he would just ball and say, shoot the gun softer, dad. <laughs> so, but yeah, he ended up having a good time and we, we almost got our limit of birds that day, but had to quit because of, uh, you know, he was getting stressed. So I didn't yeah. want to, I didn't want to make it a negative experience for him. So absolutely. You, you gave it your best shot. I did. You I did your for best sure. Shot. Oh, Andy, what, um, what have you, I always find this fascinating to ask people again, people have been doing this for a long, long period of time. Um, what are, I guess, some things you've learned as a, as a bird hunter over the last several years that are maybe valuable to, to pass on? Um, yeah, kind of an open-ended question. Like what, what are some, some takeaways maybe that you've, you've experienced over the last several years or, de- or decade? I don't know how long you've been doing this. Yeah. Well, I've been, see, I've actually been bird hunting since, uh, 1998. So quite wow. some time. Yeah. So but um, I did write a chapter just to give a plug for my book, uh, 20 Things That Every Young mm. Bird Hunter Should Learn. But, uh, you know, just some, just some things that stand out to me is that, you know, missing is part of the game. Mm. Um, you know, don't let it, don't get discouraged by it. You will, you know, in, in the doing, you'll get better mm. as, you, as you, you know, strive to, to improve, you will. And shooting slumps are... I would say they're temporary, just like, you know, being a good shot and hitting every shot. You're never going to do that. Nobody does. So you're going to, you're going to have moments of glory and moments of despair. So just get used to it, (laughs) you know? Um, but, but I, like I said, I think in the doing, you get better. Um, let me see some of the other things that I've learned or, you know, just 
where to find uh, birds, mm. you know, what, what type of habitat, you know, do they inhabit? And so I'm, I would say I'm primarily a grouse hunter and, and I've kind of learned, you know, what to look for, you know, when you're looking for bluegrass habitat or for rough grouse habitat, or, you know, or for sharp tails. Um, the other thing that I would say is that, you know, there's a lot of good opportunities out there on private property too. Don't be afraid to go and knock on somebody's door. Mm -hmm. I mean, all they can tell you is no, mm -hmm. you know, but they may tell you yes. And you may make a friend in the process. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for good spots and I'm always looking to, you know, rub shoulders with the landowners and, and get permission. Yeah. So, so some of that's, my best, great. Yeah. Some of my best coverts are private property and that, and I've worked long and hard to develop a good relationship with the landowner just to let them know I'm not a threat. I'm, I'm going to clean up after myself. I'm going to close the gates. I'm not going to shoot at their cows, you know, so just be, be polite, uh, be, be respectful, be appreciative of the opportunities that, that these landowners give you. Sure. So, yeah, that's great. I, I, speaking on that, I guess it was private property. Do, do you, again, I'm speaking from a, from, a, I guess, a small sample size of myself and, and some other people I know is people are, can be afraid to, to ask for permission. They think it's this, this kind of taboo, like, Oh, I, I can't do that. I want to inconvenience people. What do you think that that fear comes from, I guess, or, or like you said, the worst thing they can say is no, but what do you think that hesitation is for people maybe to, to not, or be nervous of, of asking for permission? Well, you know, I, that's a good question. And I, um, I think it's, it's probably the fear of failure, mm -hmm. you know, that, that this is not going to result in a good thing, but I'll tell you, you know, most landowners, even if they tell, you no, they're, they're going to appreciate the fact that you were respectful enough mm -hmm. to ask. So, you know, if you don't ask you're and you get caught, you're, you're never going to hunt that property anyway. But if you do ask, you may have mm -hmm. an opportunity for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, you know, people, like I said, the most, most of the time people respect you when you are, are respectful to them and you, and you'll go to them and ask them. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've, you know, just been surprised and had wonderful opportunities and I've been shot down too. I've lost, sure. lost places that we hunted. Once the Idaho changed the trespass laws, um, you know, it used to be that if you didn't post your property, that you oh. could hunt. it was all huntable, but now if you know it's private property and you know, they don't even have to post it. So you, and there's pretty severe consequences for trespassing. So, yeah. I mean, it behooves you to ask before you, you do it. And absolutely, you really don't have an excuse anymore, yeah. you know, with Onyx, it, you know, most, I would assume that 90% of the upland hunters now have yeah. Onyx. Oh, I would, I would agree probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know that you're going to get away with, with just saying, well, it wasn't posted. Yeah. So, so was it, it was like a little bit like North Dakota then, right? If it wasn't posted, yeah. you could hunt it. Okay. Yeah. And they changed that about 10 years ago. Okay. But so now they, if it's not, they can still not post it, but if it's private, you can't hunt it. Well, it's, um, it, you're, supposedly if it's not cultivated not, and, and you can't tell that it's private, um, then you, you, I mean, you, there's still some wiggle room. Okay. Okay. But you know, it's. It's always air on the side of caution. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And, and cultivated can actually include now CRP. Mm, so, okay. you know, if, it, if it's managed for wildlife, that's still cultivated. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, what, um, what were some highlights of last season for you? What was, what was last season like for you chasing birds? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I always enjoy September. It's probably my favorite time of the year, uh, just because you get to hunt blues and roughs in the same coverts, you know, the, the blue, bluegrass are, they reverse migrate. So they'll be kind of down lower in, in some of the same areas as you'll find the rough grouse. So I always enjoy that. That's one of my favorite times of year. Um, we went to uh, Wyoming last year. We hunted uh, sage grouse for two days. That was a lot of fun. It was a little little more than, challenging than the year before. But if I had to put a pin on my favorite hunt of last year, I got to go and hunt with Sean and with our friend Matt Lee from South Carolina, mm. Woodcock. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'd never hunted Woodcock before. And that was just a pure joy. It's, it's a lot like rough grouse hunting, um, you know, but in the South and in, in the green briar jungles. Oh, so, that sounds it was a lot of, a lot yeah. of fun. That and, sounds uh, like a blast. Yeah. I, I'd love to do it again. We did hunt Bob white quail as well. So I got my first Southern Bob mm. white quail. That's awesome. I interviewed Sean a couple of weeks ago. That'll be releasing in a little while here, but um, he talked about that, that South Carolina trip as well. And just, he said that was, that was a standout for him as well. Yeah. It was a blast. I mean, just to, you know, I love the grouse hunt. I love this, the, those thick and unkempt places and, and I love snap shooting. So yeah. it was everything that you love about rough grouse hunting, but different. So yeah. Yeah. was it, was it a tight, like woods you're in there in South Carolina or is it, what's the, like, what's the area like? Well, there, you know, a lot of the South, I, I grew up actually went to high school in, in, uh, about not too far from where we were hunting. So, but a lot of the South is pine trees, kind of sandy ground, but then you get these, anytime you have a river bottom, you know, you're going to have your swampy areas that have cane and green briar and, uh, just totally thick, palmetto so you know so palm kind of look like palm trees or whatever but that's that's kind of the cover that you're hunting is just this nasty wow. little thickets that along the the edge of swamps <laughs> yeah so wow. you know and the swamps are you know have these big cypress trees that have you know huge bases you, wow. you know it, so everything that you kind of think about in the southern in swamp the south it, yeah that's yeah cool. you're right there that's yeah. cool did you did you bring uh rainy with you I didn't, um, you know, I flew out there and, and, uh, my friend Matt has uh, English pointers that are just phenomenal. So I'd love to have rainy out there. I think she'd be exceptional sure. at it, but, uh, we used his dogs and nice. I, we called his dog, the magic man. Cause it's just fun to, <laughs> fun to see a dog do what it was bred for. And oh, that, absolutely. That dog is a, it's, it's his dog deuce. Yeah. And, uh, he is just a wonderful woodcock dog retrieves cool. points so yeah it was fun do you, do you have to be pretty careful on the timing for the woodcock flight because they're they're kind of passing through is that right so do you have to well, get your timing pretty dialed in or yeah you know i think i think the season opens in november in south carolina is what i want to say but i you know i i think the flights don't come in until you know the time that we get there but i you know matt had told me uh that end of December, early January. Mm. It's when they, they come in there the hev heaviest and they're there, you know, in, in good numbers, okay. surprisingly. Yeah. Okay. 
That's fascinating. I love that. Sounds like a fun hunt. Um, and you touched on blue grouse. A Nook Shook professional dog food is the highest energy dog food in the world. A Nook Shook's dense formulations ensure that your pup in training and your seasoned bird dog get what they need to succeed in the field. A Nook Shook works hard so your dogs can work harder. Check them out at anookshookpro.com. Trinity Bretons is the home of the Epignol Breton, also known as the French Brittany. All Trinity Breton dogs are from champion bloodlines that are field tested and family approved. For over 33 years, Trinity Bretons has worked to offer you the best bred Epignol Breton in the country. Check them out at trinitybretons.com. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Trinity Bretons. I don't get too many blue grouse hunters on here. And I think you've hunted them quite a bit. Um, what are, besides, I know they, they reverse migrate, but what are, I guess, what are you, when you're driving down the road, like, you know, looking for an area to hunt blue grouse, like, like what are some of the characteristics, terrain, tree, like I know food, like you talk a little bit about just like someone wants to go chase blue grouse. Like, where do they start? What do they look for? That's a good question. And, and it really varies. Like I would, I would say that, uh, I've only hunted blue grouse in Colorado once and the areas that we hunted were kind of similar, I guess, to, to what we hunt in Idaho, but, uh, you know, they're kind of a, a, a you know, bird of the pine forests. Um, but they also, you also find them around quaking aspens and in, in that new growth, especially in the early season. But uh, one of my favorite things about blue grouse is that, you know, and I'll, I'll share a little vignette if I, if, if I could, but I was hunting in one of my favorite areas in Southern Idaho. Um, and I, I was hunting in the trees and couldn't find a, a dang bird. I couldn't find any birds that day. Is this, this is a covert that I call grouse rock. Mm. And I got to thinking, I, I bet you the blues are out on the sagebrush benches uh, you know, and, and anyway, this, as I'm, I, I decided to, to go across the road and hunt on the other side of the Canyon on these sagebrush benches. And, and as I'm walking across the road, this fishing game guy comes up to me and he says, uh, you know, can I see your hunt license? I said, sure. So I showed it to him. I said, do you think the, the blue grouse are out on these benches, you know, uh, you know, sagebrush benches. And the guy looked at me like I was stupid. And he said, you know, he says, blue grouse are, are called forest grouse. You, you find them in the forest. So, yeah, I, I was, and, and it kind of made me doubt myself, but I thought, no, I'm going to still keep, keep the course. So I was <laughs> hunting with uh, Dusty and, and with uh, Sunny Girl at the time. And we're up on this bench and Dusty locks up on point. And I'm thinking, you know, that, that stupid fishing game warden made me <laughs> doubt myself. And I, so I was a little slow to get to the point and the blue grouse barrels off the hillside and I missed, I whiffed the shot. <laughs> so I was like, but, but that's one thing that I'll tell you is that, you know, blue grouse, you're not, they're, they're pretty closely related to sage grouse and you'll find them in the sage, mm-hmm. especially in September when the grasshoppers are thick, they're out there hunting grasshoppers. Yeah. And so a lot of times I'll hunt through the trees and then I'll look for those areas that are near, you know, close proximity to the trees that are open and sagebrushy. 
and I'll go hunt those. And that's, that's some of my fun, favorite hunts. Wow. That's awesome. In, no. in September is to get out and, and to hunt those. And I've, I've seen videos in, in, uh, Colorado where they have these open park areas where the birds are too. Wow. So, so they use that type of terrain. Okay. So, yeah. so as, Aspen trees, um, so like looking for the, cause they're in, they're in clumps. So like, if there's like Colorado, Colorado where I've been, there's like a clump of aspens here, then it comes some open, maybe sage, then clump of way over here. W- would you kind of then go to each clump and explore that area? Well, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna be looking, uh, they could definitely be in, in the aspens, um, like rough grass you're going to find by the creek bottoms but blue grouse they're going to they're they're a little more difficult to find mm. uh they're they're so you're going to want to hit everything and just try to and you, once you find them you're usually going to find more in mm. similar habitat okay so you know old growth i would say is probably not your best bet so if you're we call it dark timber okay a lot of times you're not going to find birds it's just not as much food you know and, and the blue grouse when they migrate up to higher elevations, they will use primarily the old growth though, you know, cause they're, they're eating pine needles. That's what they eat in the late uh, season. Okay. okay. But in the early season, they're out hunting grasshoppers. They're out, you know, eating berries and, and yeah. you know, a lot like, like a uh, rough grouse. Yeah. Okay. That's great to know. Was, was that just the best feeling when you, when you found that, <laughs> that grouse in the sage after yeah, you know, that interaction well, with the game warden? <laughs> Well, what's the, what's the, yeah, it was a good feeling, but also a, a painful memory no, <laughs> because of the miss. But <laughs> I love that. I love that you're honest about your misses. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't know if you've ever listened to any, any of my other podcasts, but I, I was on with Ron Bain from the hunting dog yeah, podcast, yeah. podcast and he just teased me to no end <laughs> because I was so honest about it. You, you know? are, you're so honest and, and maybe more often than not, just from what I've read, it, you're, it's, it's a miss I missed, but then with those success that you have, like you'll say, Hey, you know, knock that one, you know, dropped it out of the sky, you know, retrieve it to hand those. It's, a, it's exciting to read those when I know the last two chapters, you missed, you missed all the birds. Missed all of them. Yeah. It was, it's, a, it's a good feeling as a reader. I, I feel it's, it's an honest look. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, if that's one thing, I guess I can say I'm an honest attorney, but. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Um, I, I want to get into some of your writing a little bit here, Andy. What I, I think it's a unique, unique calling. I think that's a, it's a unique thing to, to get into and say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to start writing down some, some stories and like what, what led that, what sparked that, that for you to kind of start uh, writing? Cause again, I know you've not only written Idaho, Idaho upland days, but you've have, have a fly fishing book, another upland book and some other blog stuff you've done. Where did that come from? Yeah, I, I appreciate that question. Um, so in my undergrad, I did a lot of writing. Uh, I actually took uh, professional writing classes. So I've, I've got a lot of training and experience with that. Um, I would say as an attorney, you know, part of what I do for a living is I, I write, you know, a lot of times it's writing stuff that, that I don't particularly enjoy, you know, some, some, some negativity, you know, a little bit of negativity that goes with that. Um, but I, I think for me, um, you know, I, the, the desire to write a, about the outdoors and my outdoor experiences comes from reading. Mm-hmm. I love to read, you know, and I, and I, one of the things that I do is I collect books on 
you know, uh, bird hunting and fly fishing. And so I read a ton before I ever uh, decided to pick up the pen and, and write on my own. So, um, but I, you know, my first book, I actually, before I started writing for any blogs, any articles, I, I wrote my fly fishing book and, and, uh, you know, I, I had completed that and it, I think it got published back in 2011, but I started to write it back in 2007. Mm. And so, and as I would, uh, write down these experiences, my first book is called, uh, heaven on earth stories of fly fishing, fun and faith. I'd share it with my family, you know, with my siblings and, and, you know, just the things that they would say and, you know, and the encouragement that they gave me kind of gave me, I guess, the, the understanding that I, I had the ability to do it and to touch people's lives. And, and so that, that kind of sparked it. And then after I'd written that book, Sean, my brother, Sean, this is right when blogs were starting to be a big thing. Uh, he invited me to be part of the Upland uh, Equations blog, which we wrote together with quite a few other uh, authors and uh, we did that for quite some time. And now we do the Upland Ways blog. So Sean was a, you know, he was a big push to, you know, start writing. And as I started to blog and write about those things, I thought, you know what, I'm going to try to start getting some of these things published in articles, uh, excuse me, in magazines. And so, I, you know, I've written for a lot of the, the big uh, magazines. I've written for Project Upland, Upland Almanac, uh, Pointing Dog Journal, Gun Dog. Mm you know, so, uh, rough grouse society, their magazine. So, oh, nice. so a lot of things that I've written have actually been published, you know, quite a few in, in the Idaho upland days, but yeah. previously published. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, what, and you talked about your love of reading, like if you, this may put you on the spot a little bit, if you had to pick maybe two or three of your favorite books out there again we're talking hunting upland ish kind of books like what are what are maybe top top two or three books that you say these these are the ones that that you personally love more than others okay but you know people ask me this question all the time so okay i I apologize to your (laughs) listeners as if it's a bit repetitive but top three burton spiller uh drummer in the woods that's one of the best books ever written on on bird hunting uh, just fun, you know, just, a, yeah, he's, he's a good storyteller, but also a master uh, of the art of grouse hunting. Mm. So, so he, and he's a good guy. You, you, I mean, you'd like Burton Spiller a okay. lot. I think you'd like him I'll a lot. check that out. Yeah. So I'd say Burton Spiller. Um, then I would probably put, oh, this is tough because <laughs> I, I love them both, but George King's that's rough. Is, mm. is one of the best books ever written on grouse hunting. And it's, mm. it's an excellent book. So he was kind of a inspiration to me to actually finally get my book, you know, the, or to write the book on grouse hunt. My okay. first uh, book is Idaho rough grouse hunting. That's my first bird hunting book. Okay. So, but that his, his is a great book. Um, and then the third, like I said, George, um, George King and, and, and S.D. Hammond, I would probably put in the same class. As, you know, uh, I'd uh, rank them about equally, but he wrote My Friend the Partridge back in 1908. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't know if you got the Project Upland magazine, but I just wrote an article on on S.D. Hammond. And, and oh, fantastic. I'll check that my out. Friend, yeah. It's a, it's a, so it came out, I think, in the spring edition. Okay. Yeah. That's a great book. 
Fun book. That's 1908. It was written. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Yep. And, and this guy, so it's just to tell you a little bit about him. He had, he had started hunting grouse. I think when he was very young, uh, so 1842. So by the time he'd written his book, it had been, let's see how long, uh, 66 years. So more, more wow. time than what Burton Spiller had spent in, in the woods when he wrote grouse wow. feathers. Yeah. Did, did he hunt with dogs? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, so. that is fascinating. I'm going to have to, check that out is that do you know is that something people can find on amazon or, you or can. that's where i found okay. it okay yeah yeah but i think it's 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 old enough that you know any publisher can print it okay so and i found a really nice hardbound copy for pretty cheap that's it's, cool i will yeah. be checking that out after, after fun we're, we're done talking um andy how are you i'm always fascinated kind of about sneak peek behind the scenes i guess like how are you capturing these stories because you're writing so many of these stories in your books and, and they, they seem very detailed. You do a very good job of, of sharing a lot of detail of the train and who was with you and, and some of the misses and success. Are you an avid journaler after every hunt? Like how do you, how do you retain these, these stories in the level of detail? That's a good question. You know, and, and I'd say there's, there's not one specific answer, but uh, you know, I, um, I, I have journaled in the past. I've, I haven't been as faithful in that as I should be. Um, but some of what I wrote in, in this book in particular comes from those journals. Um, a lot of it comes from blogging, you know, just, and blogging is journaling, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's, I, I think you're just recording memories or mm. sharing pictures. And, uh, I take a ton of photos, um, and I post a lot of those on social media. And so Instagram is kind of a journal, if you will, yeah, yeah. where you kind of describe some of your experiences, some of your successes. So there's some of that, um, you know, then also just writing the articles, you know, you, you kind of thing about writing is you gotta, you gotta strike while the iron's hot. So mm-hmm. as you have an idea, as you think about those things, you need to, sometimes I'll, I'll write notes, mm in my phone and I don't, here's what happened. Here's where we were and, and what we did. And so it's just trying to record the memories um, for, for this particular book though, a lot of it was written from memory, mm. you know, as I was trying to r- recall the things like, for example, the story about bust, busting dusty. I wrote mm. that after he passed mm-hmm. away and I just kind of tried to get on paper, all of those sweet mm. memories of him. Wow. Yeah. So how, how long would you say it took you to write Idaho Upland Days? Wow. That's a good question. Um, you know, I, I started writing that book after I finished my uh, fly fishing book. So sometime in 2011. Oh, wow. Okay. And I would say it was, it was completed, uh, mostly completed within, you know, two years or so of that. Okay. Um, but it took a long time to, to find a publisher and ended up just self-publishing it. Okay. Uh, you know, just, just, uh, had some, I had one publisher accept it, but then they, uh, went bankrupt. <laughs> so just a <laughs> no. lot, lot of challenges and getting it. And it's, it's actually my first bird hunting book. I wrote that book before I ever started to write Idaho rough grouse hunting. Oh, Idaho. Oh, you wrote this before Idaho mm-hmm. or before yeah. the rough grouse one. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, in, in the intro I, I, or in the forward, I, I basically say, this is really my first bird hunting book. Mm. So all, all of the stories take place or not all of them, but most of the stories take place before yeah, those yeah. that are in the other book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I have not read the, the rough grouse one yet. Yeah. So um, what is this kind of a random, random question? What, I guess, what is the pros and cons of, of self-publishing versus being picked up by a publishing company? Is it well, I mean, a lot more work for you on the self-publishing? Well, you know, it's, that's a good question. Um, so I've, I've published twice with, uh, with publishing companies and, you know, it's, there's, I guess there's some comfort there and, and having, experts, you know, do formatting and editing and, okay. and all of that. Um, you know, I think that's, that's the, the pro, I think, uh, the pros of, of publishing with the, with the formal publish publisher, yeah. um, I, you know, there's also the advertising and the, you know, whatever those publishing companies do they have some backing a little it. bit or, yeah. okay. Um, you know, and I'd say that, that, through a publisher, your book's going to be available in more uh, forums, you know, more mm. places like Barnes and Noble. And, but it, you know, self-publishing nowadays. I mean, I think the, the main gig that you're going to find is is through Amazon. Mm, sure. You know, and that's and that's what we ended up uh, ended up doing because I, I'd say that you know even even with all of that from the formal publishing companies, most of the books that have been sold have been sold through Amazon. Sure. So Amazon's kind of the, the place where, you know, most our authors are going to sell their books anyway. Yeah. So do, so do you have, do you have your books in like ebook format as well, or just hard I do. copy? Uh, um, yeah. I, I think the, the, the first book, the fly fishing book is only available in Kindle and okay. Nook right now. So okay. that you, that's the only way that you can find it. Um, but the other two are available in electronic uh, oh, formats. Nice. Um, uh, Idaho Upland Days is only available on Kindle, you know, because we, we publish through KDP, which is, what do they call that? Kindle direct publishing is what, mm. is what we used. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to get into a couple more things about the, the book and the stories. And this, this is going to be a hard one for you. Um, do you have, and, and maybe the favorite's not a right word, but do you have a story that you wrote about in this book that... Uh, maybe stands out to you a little bit more than others, maybe means something to you a little bit more than others. Do you have something in this book that you, you wrote about that you go, that's, that's the one that's, that's kind of my, the one that's most special to me. Well, well, you, you'd get this. That's kind of like picking, which is your favorite kid. You <laughs> I know, know, I know <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. To, it's fun to, uh, just, you know, hear your, hear your answer. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, well, like I said, they, they're all precious memories to me. Um, you know, I, the white wonder, there's so many fun stories to think about with, with Farley. So I'd say those are some of the most cherished ones, but, but, uh, as far as banner days, I would say the Royal McNabb, just cause that was such a fun day. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So that, that on that day we were hunting a place that I had hunted before, but my brothers had never been there with me. And, and we got to the the spot and, and it was just like, you could feel, there was just a feeling that it was going to be one of those days. And so, and, and you could actually hear the, there were so many 
sharp tail that you could hear them clucking like chickens, which I've, I haven't heard that since. So we're like, Oh man, we're going to get into, into birds. And, and we let, uh, busting dusty out of the kennel <laughs> and he, he just went on a rampage flush birds to the horizon. So, but it was one of those days where all, you know, the birds fly off the property on this, on another property and the other, there were hunters on the other property. They kicked them all back over to us. <laughs> that was just one of those charm days, you know? And, uh, and so the Royal McNabb, you know, that comes from a story that was written. Uh, what's the name I can't remember the guy that wrote, but it, but it's about a sporting feat that you accomplish. And yeah, in, you guys, you guys changed the meaning of that a little bit. If I, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's kind of a fun, fun that's, story, but that's so fun. I love so, that. And I love all of the, the stories of hunting with my kids, you know, yeah. uh, I'd say uh, grouse Couture is a, is an awesome memory. Uh, um, the book was supposed to be, uh, originally titled roadside revelations, mm. which is, that would, that would have been the title chapter. But one of the reasons why we changed that is we didn't think that it would be as, you know, as appealing, I guess you could say as Idaho upland days. Mm. So it, it's now part of the subtitle. Yeah. I saw that. But that's, so that, that, that chapter is about, you know, discovering coverts through seeing birds along the, ro- the road. We call it a little heavenly manifestation, if you will, a roadside revelation. Yeah. I, I, that was my next question is just, is just, you know, share about, so the banner days and roadside revelations is very prevalent throughout the book. And, and I was like, what, like, what does that mean, mean to you? And kind of what, like, is that something that is when you're out there, year after year that, that you're seeing these glimpses of things. I guess, can you just expand on, on banner days and roadside revelations and what those mean to you? Sure. You know, I actually, in my first, uh, well, the, the Idaho rough grouse hunting, I had a glossary in there that, ex, you know, defines all those terms. And, but to me, a banner day is a day where uh, basically the birds are prevalent, the dog work is stellar and the old shoot and I comes through. So you have, it just all comes together on those days. And, and it's, you know, I mean, every day in the outdoors is special, but those are the ones that, that keep you coming back for more, you know? So that's a banner day. And that's, that's actually part of the subtitle of the book. It's, it's, it's uh, Idaho upland days, reflections of bird dogs, banner days, and other roadside revelations. So, and then roadside revelations are those times when you're, you know, and I'll give an example. In one of the chapters, I think it's when we actually took Eden, my youngest, or excuse me, my second to youngest daughter, uh, on her first hunt. We 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 went out, we hiked, we couldn't, we just couldn't find the birds. But as we're driving home, I just said, you know what? We need a roadside revelation. And I, I kid you not, just as we I said, it's like, say a, it's that, like a minute later, right? Yeah. This bird pitches across the road and I'm like, girl, did you see that? They're, that's a sharp tail. Should we go after it? And they're like, yeah, dad. So we jump out and I kid you not, I step out of the car and we watch this big flock of sharp tail get up and, and land, not, you know, 50 yards from us. Mm-hmm. So we're like, Oh, come on, let's go. And we got, <laughs> so we went and got into those birds and they had uh, actually when we got, got into them, they had been stuffed with grasshoppers. Oh, they were yeah. chasing the grasshoppers and it was um, kind of late October. So there had been a hard frost, you know, that, that was the year we had snow in October. So mm-hmm. the grasshoppers would slow down and the birds were just keyed in on them. 
Wow. And we just got our limit in like 10 minutes. Wow. So that yeah, was fun. That's, that's so fun. I was, I was reading those banner days. I, I really wanted to hear kind of what, and that could, everyone can interpret that differently, but I love, it even gives me some, some, when everything comes together and, and yeah. that's a great way to summarize it. Like you said, the, the dog work, the birds, the shooting, I think that's a really good, uh, good thing to just keep in mind when everything comes together, it's not going to happen all the time. It, it's, those are, those are going to be extra special days when, for sure, when you get all those pieces and, uh, that's really fun. Um, some of your dogs, I've, I've been fascinated getting to, to read about some of your dogs, uh, you know, Rudy, Farley, Sonny, uh, I like to say famous bust and dusty. Now he's, he's, in this book. <laughs> he's in this book quite a bit. I got a, I got a good chuckle out of, uh, some of his stories with dusty. I got to ask. So Sean sold you this dog, right? He gave, gave you, me the gave, dog. Gave you. The, he, he pawned the, the dog dusty. off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and listen to his answer. I, th- I think he might've said something a little <laughs> similar, but, um, so you, you had no dog at the time, right? So like, what, what did you see in bust and dusty? that you did you yeah just talk about like what, what was okay. that like no problem so so i actually had a dog at the time i had sunny and uh you know before before i had uh, uh before dusty we had farley so we i had farley and uh and and then about a year later two years later we got uh sunny and it was kind of uh, you know, Sunny hadn't really come into her own at that, that, that point, she was still young, still learning. Um, but, but, you know, had, had a lot of great potential, uh, but Farley was such a great, great bird dog. He was an L Hugh pointer. And so, you know, there was always that desire, I guess, to kind of recapture the glory, if you will, to have, you know, to have that, that thoroughbred of a a bird dog. So to me, you know, I, I had Sunny, um, I didn't, fully appreciate what she was and what she had to offer. And, and so, you know, when Sean offered me Dusty, who came from great breeding, you know, he was one of Gary Ruppel's dogs and uh, his uh, Dusty's father had actually been written about in a book by Mike Gold, uh, Plateaus of Destiny. His name was, I can't remember his name. I think it's Avery. His, his okay. dad's name was Avery. So Dusty had a lot of potential um, so for me, taking him on was just, just a hope, if you will, that, that I was going to get another Farley, you know, another, another bird dog. And Dusty was, he was a, uh, lovable knucklehead. <laughs> he had moments of glory, but he was also a, a Royal pain in the butt. And <laughs> we called him busting Dusty because he, he, I mean, he was, he, he, he might as well just said he could have been adopted by a Springer Spaniel because he was a flush and full. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been cracking up reading, reading about busted dusty and just, yeah, some of the, some of the cubbies, he's just, just yeah. blew up. And but then sometimes he would surprise the heck out of you. You know, like I, one time I, I told you about that, that blue grouse, or I, actually I wrote about the blue grouse um, when we were up on what we call dusty's nub and, Mm. he, he locks up on point and this bird gets up and, and, uh, I shot and I didn't make a great shot. And the bird kind of took its time going down to like, you know, 80 yards away. But I said, dusty, go get that bird. <laughs> and I, dusty just takes off running and, uh, 
getting, so I'm, I'm kind of following as quick as I can. But when I get down there, I see Dusty chasing this grouse down and just jumps up and captures it out oh. of the air. So I was like, man, that's one of the best retrieves I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so I, I, I always, I always joke that, uh, Dusty was a famous underachiever. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like, it sounds like a special dog in many, many, many ways. He, he was a, he was a sounds good like dog. He has some great memories with him. Yeah. He's, he was a good dog, but like I said, me, you know, usually I'd say the majority of the time, you know, is me and Sonny getting the, the scraps, if yeah. you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause Sonny was hunting right next to me and we kind of go hunt where Dusty wasn't. <laughs> you, know, just, like, Dusty, you, you go over there, buddy. You, you go do your thing, Dusty. But yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, one of the dogs, I think you wrote one or two or a couple chapters about was Rudy. Now, Rudy was your first dog. Is that right? Your first yeah. bird dog. What did, yeah. what did that dog teach you? It sounds like you guys had a special, special connection. Sounds like he was a, a great dog. He was a good dog. Um, life was cut short, so we didn't get, we only had one season together, but, but, you know, he, I think the thing that I learned with, with, uh, Rudy is, is just the, that special bond that you feel when you have a dog and when you have, when you share those experiences together, when you're a team, you know, it's not master and servant, it's buddies, you know, so that, that to me is the thing that I take away from Rudy. He, I, I think he had such great potential. And, and in that first season, we had a lot of success, even though I, I was a terrible bird shot, you know, just to, together, we just had some special moments that I wanted to capture. So all of that was written from memory yeah. when I wrote those things. And I'm glad I wrote it because I still look at it and I still love, love to remember him and honor yeah. him. Absolutely. I, I, yeah, I could feel that reading that um, chapter about Rudy in, yeah, there's something special about our first dogs. I think they, they teach us a lot in, like, like you said, they teach us, they're, they're our buddies. They're not just a, a tool to go find birds. They're, they're a friend, they're, they're a companion. So I think yeah. they can, they can teach us a lot. Um, what, what, what were some other, other things in the book? Um, I, so I was looking at my notes here. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, pheasants in Idaho. We chatted about that. Um, shooting slumps. I know we talked about our, our shooting slumps. That's something we all can get into. We, I, I've gone through many, many shooting slumps. I know you have as well. I guess what, what are some of the encouragements? Because I always encourage reading that. Again, we talked about your honesty with with not always making the perfect shot. Like, I guess what are some encouragements that you learned from that that might you might be able to pass on to others? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Well, one thing I'd say is, is, you know, everybody, especially shotgun instructors are always preaching about gun fit. Mm. And I can tell you that it makes all the difference in the world, you know, and, um, and I'm a big proponent of, of, you know, it seems like those kids that, that you allow to shoot only like a single shot, they, they learn how to slow down. They learn how to make the shot count. You know, and I, when I first started, I, 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 uh, had a pump gun, which I didn't hunt very long. Um, but then I got the semi-automatic and you always have this mentality. Well, if I miss, I'm just going to, you know, I'll, I'll recover on the, the follow-ups, you know, it's cause you had the three shots or, or however, however many you can fit in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to me, that was, you know, I usually just waste the first or second shot. So you, you, you know, 
it, it helps to slow down. You know, what my buddy Cliff, uh, a good friend of mine, I wrote, actually wrote about this is, you know, he, he would kind of tell me, you know, cause I tell him, he'd ask me, how did, how did you shoot this hunt? And I, I'd say not good. And he'd say, you know what, Andy, you just need to slow down, you know, make haste slowly is what he, he would tell me. So just take your time. You know, you, the birds, especially in the grouse woods, they're getting up and they're, they're flushing hard and, and you only have a, a little window of opportunity, but, but you, you have more time than what you think. And so if, if you are a little more calm and, and collected when, when you pick the gun up and you pull the trigger, you're still, it's still a, a snapshot. You're still shooting as quickly as you can, but you're taking that extra split second to, to focus on the bird, make sure that you get on the bird. So I'd say gun fit is, is everything. Um, I, I, I think I shot a gun or guns for many, many years that, uh, I, I, that didn't fit me. And, and that was a big part of the problem. And that, you know, now I have a gun that it shoots where I look, you know, um, the other thing I'd say is, is, um, you know, this is what Burton Spiller said is he says, if you want to kill as many grouse as you can shoot a 12 gauge, that's what he said. And so, you know, and, and it's not that I want to kill every bird that I shoot at, but I do shoot a 12 gauge, be, be, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I find it to be the most effective gauge for me. And now I'm shooting lighter loads. I shoot those RST shells. So I'm not shooting heavy, heavy or three and a half inch yeah. <laughs> duck load, yeah. like two and a half inch or two. Yeah. Two and a half inch shells is what I'm shooting with that, with that 12 gauge. Okay. You know, and, uh, it's, it's a heavy, heavier gun, but it, you know, it also helps you with your swing and yeah. Well, yeah, you get, you get comfortable with it. And did, did you find you had, you had developed a lot of bad habits though. If you were you shooting with a gun that didn't fit you for a long time, was that a hard process to break some of those habits once you got a gun that fit you? Um, you know, one thing that's why I love grouse hunting, I guess, is, is that shooting is instinctual, especially snap shooting where you don't have time to think about it. You know, you, you only have time to get on that bird as quickly as you can and, and to make, you know, make the shot cause that bird's not going to be there. So, so, uh, for me, um, that's where gun fit comes in. If the gun fits you and it shoots where you're looking, then you're going to, you're going to succeed. Mm. So, but if it's not, and it's shooting low or you're, you know, shooting high, you're, you're just, you're not. Yeah. So, so to me, gun fit is everything. Um, you know, one of, one of my biggest problems I think is probably stopping swinging, you know, mm. is not, not getting ahead of the bird and staying ahead of the bird. You're saying that you're, that you stop once you shoot, you stop the swing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's probably because I snap shoot, you know, you're only getting that, that quick shot off. Sure. But when you're, when you're hunting sharp tails or sage grouse, you know, you got to follow through. Sure. And so that's, that's been kind of a challenge to, to learn, but, but I've gotten better at that as well over the yeah. years. It's just yeah. practice, practice, yeah. practice yeah. makes perfect, you know? Yeah. You're going to have a lot of misses for some success and it, it, it's the accumulation of both those that, that make it fun. <laughs> then you get it. Like I said, it's, it's something that you learn in the doing that, you know, those yeah. back in the early 18 or late 1800s, early 1900s, those guys learned, by doing they, you know, that's, they were some of the most successful shots ever because they were out shooting all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I, and I don't shoot skeet. I don't shoot clay pigeons or anything like that, but I, I can really see how that would be beneficial, mm-hmm. you know, just to, just to get the experience and kind of feel, learn the feel of your gun. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I am a terrible clay shooter. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I, I think too much when I'm shooting clays or trap or whatever it is. I, I think way too much. But then when I'm knock on wood, you know, bird hunting, like you said, it's, it's so much instinctual where you where you're, when you're not thinking, then it's, it kind of comes together. Um, but, yeah, and yeah. that's and that's why I don't do it is because it I don't I don't know that those things replicate yeah. what you experience. Yeah. I mean, we, there's part of my problem, I guess you could say, when I was younger. And still the challenge is, is I'd get grouse fever. Mm. And by that, I mean like buck fever, like a bird, you hear the rush of wings, your heart starts pounding and you're so excited that you you just can't buckle down and and get on the bird, you know, but, but, you know, you kind of learn, I guess, through time that, uh, that, that excitement can fuel you and and can, can help you get to the shot and, you know, get off a nice shot, but, but back, I, I guess I could say I was Jojo, the idiot circus boy with the shotgun in my hand. <laughs> Cause I get grouse fever. So bad. Oh my gosh. Well, Andy, um, I have a couple more things for you, but I just kind of wanted to, to wrap up the, the book stuff. I just wanted to personally say I've, I've been so encouraged reading this book and maybe it's, it's, that might sound silly, but this is, it's been inspiring. It's gotten me excited. I know it's, this is what June we're recording this. And this book has a, has a way of, uh, I think it bringing people into those experiences, into those stories, into those hunts that you kind of are laying out here. And I can picture, I can picture myself walking along with, with Farley out there, sunny. And, and so you did a really good job of, of capturing details in this, that, um, that bring me in. And I'm not going to lie. I, I, I started looking up, you know, hunting license in Idaho. <laughs> I was, I was inspired. I was like, wow, sounds like a, sounds like a great opportunity. And um, so I just want to say thank you for, for writing this. Uh, oh, really. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it. And that's, that's the whole goal. I mean, that's really the reason why you, you write these things is to, you know, to share those special experiences to, to bring people along. So when people tell me that they felt like they were there with me, yeah. I did my job. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you did it well. Yeah. You did it well. Um, where, I know we talked about Amazon, like where can people find more of your books, your, some of your writing, do you have a website or, or how can people follow along? Okay. Well, thank you. I, yeah. We do have the blog, which is uh, www.uplandways.com. So, and that's my brother and I, Sean, we, that's our blog. And we write about, you know, bird hunting. We write about fly fishing, you know, some of the things that we're passionate about upland art, upland books. So there's book reviews on there. Um, the uh, Idaho rough grouse hunting is available through multiple forums. Uh, it is available through amazon.com. Um, you know, it's also available through the history press and their website. So there's a lot of, a lot of places where you can find that one. Um, the new book is available through Amazon. Um, it's available in ha- hardback. Uh, there's a color edition that's a little more expensive. There is a hardback uh, black and white photo edition, um, which is, is is reasonable in price. And then there's a, a paperback copy. Um, and, and it's also available in Kindle. So you can get it uh, there. Um, I do offer signed copies of the book the new book, uh, through, through the blog, I guess you could say. So if you go to the blog, you'll get the information on how you can order it. So if people are interested, hit me up. So, That's great. That's great. Yeah. Are you ever, ever any thought to do an audio audio book of, of you reading it? 
Uh, you know, I thought about it and, and I, it's definitely a possibility. So I, I noticed that Project Upland is starting to do quite a few different um, audio books, yeah. which I think are, are hopefully will take off. Yeah, so, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, but I haven't looked into how to do that yet. So. <laughs> sure, sure. So. Well, I will. I will make sure to link to uh, to the website and and some of the book stuff uh, and the blog and the in the show notes here as well, so people can go to the show notes and uh, get the link to go go directly to that. Excellent. So. I really appreciate you helping me get the word out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, a couple more things for you as we wrap up here um, in, in the true fashion of this podcast, I have a few uh, standing questions I'd like to ask every guest. And uh, this one will be for the, for the rookie Uplander out there. Um, someone who is maybe heading into their first season uh, coming up this fall, maybe someone just picked up their first bird dog. Um, what, would, what would you say to them? What would be a piece of advice that you would share with the, the new hunter out there? I love that question. Um, I would say find somebody who's passionate about it and has, has bird dogs that are trained and who's willing to show you the ropes so that you can, you know, kind of see what it's all about. And the other thing I would say is, is don't get discouraged. You know, um, you can put in the leg work and, and, you know, most hunters can get out and find birds on their own after a while. So, don't, don't let the newness of it or the challenge of it discourage you. You know, like I said, you get better as you, as you go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, it's just a wonderful experience. So don't give up, mm-hmm. you know, don't keep on keeping on. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Good advice. Um, okay. <clears throat> uh, rapid fire round. Just going to ask you a few questions and just, you give me your, your kind of off the cuff answer and, um, we'll, we'll kind of wrap this thing up. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So, uh, Andy, for you, what came first, the gun, the dog, the bird or hunting? I'd say hunting just from, from my dad and and his inspiration to me. So from a young age. Okay. Love it. Love it. Uh, what gun are you carrying into the field and why? And we talked about this a little bit, but feel free to expand if you need to. You bet. So right now I have two primary guns that I actually have 10 shotguns. Uh, but, but the two that I primarily use are a Ruger red label, uh, 12 gauge. And like I said, I shoot the, the RST two and a half inch low pressure shells out of that. And then, um, and I, I use that for most of the, the birds that I hunt, but I also have the Ruger red label in a 28 gauge that my brother Sean gave to me. Oh, nice. And that's a fun gun to hunt with. So I'm excited to, to use that a little bit more. Yeah. That's really cool. I, and forgive me. I'm not super familiar with the red label. Those are over under or side by side over and under over under. Okay. And I do have side by sides as well, but uh, I, I tend to do just a little bit better with the single trigger okay. and with the single sight plane. Uh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, all right. And then favorite dog breed besides the ones you've owned. I know you've owned a few of them. So okay. you've, had, you've had a cocker right back in the day. No, that was, that was Sean. Oh, that was Sean. I had, okay. a, but you've and had, I had a Springer. Springer. Okay. So yeah, Springer favorite, when I was favorite breed besides the ones you've owned. You know, I'll, I'll probably get uh, criticism for this, but I love a good Labrador. All right. All yeah. right. That's good. Yeah. A good Labrador is worth his weight in gold, you know, especially when it comes to recovering birds. Sure. So I love a good lab. Absolutely. Yeah. Labs, labs can get a bad rap sometimes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're good dogs. They're classic. 
Yeah. And they're, you know, as long as they'll hunt for you and, and, uh, you know, I've never found, found them to be a distraction in the grouse woods, you know? Yeah. So that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Favorite bird to hunt and why? Well, that's easy. Rough grouse. Rough. You know, I always tell people I'm a grouse hunter. I love all, I never met a grouse I didn't like, so, (laughs) but I love rough grouse. I just love the coverts that they're in. I love the tradition, the history of rough grouse hunting. I love the challenge of it. I love snap shooting. I love the fall grouse woods. I love the smell of the fall grouse woods. You know, I love my, my coverts. It's just, a, I, there's just the, like I said, I don't know that you can sum it all up in, in, in one thing. It's the sum of all the parts, mm-hmm. I guess you can say. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, this is, this is kind of a fun one. Uh, would you rather have a roadside revelation or a banner day? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to have a roadside revelation and a banner day. So you want to see the birds alongside the road and find that new covert. You know? uh, oh, do they go hand yeah, in hand? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. But, but a banner day, you know, it can be anywhere, you know, it could be somewhere that's familiar to you, but a roadside revelation is specifically about finding that new place, you know? So it's always, there's always something uh, fun and exciting about, you know, discovering a new place that holds a lot of birds. Mm. So that's the roadside revelation. So I love them both. They're, yeah. they're both fun, but you could have a roadside revelation and not have a banner day. You could shoot terribly. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, totally. All those pieces have to come together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, that's good. And then uh, last one, beverage of choice after a hunt. Okay, that, that one's easy, root beer. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I knew. Yeah, and I don't drink a ton of root beer now, uh, but but uh, you know, it just seems like there's nothing better than a cold one after a yeah, good day. Yeah. You know, a good day's hunt. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not making this up, Andy. Your book has inspired me so much that when you wrote about root beer after a couple of these hunts, I was like, "Well, crap! I, I have a taste for root beer now." <laughs> so I've been buying. Yeah. It, 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 again, it, it, I don't know. It just it brought me in, and so I'm like, "Honey, we gotta get some root beer from the store now." <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. Uh, we we love it. And that's, you know, like Sean and I will usually, that's our tradition is we'll get a cooler full of root beers and, you know, you probably burn 3000 calories while you're out there. So you can, you can afford to drink a root beer. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I don't drink alcohol. So, so root beer is a good alternate. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Uh, root beer followed by water. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, or Gatorade. Or Gatorade. Yes. Uh, <laughs> who's a better shot? You or Sean? Oh, Sean, for sure. Okay. okay. Much better shot. Uh, but, he, but he has his, his moments too. You know? <laughs> oh, does he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm happy to say that. But, you know, you saw that chapter. Uh, what's it? What was it? Or it's, it's the seven days in the Idaho uplands, but uh, cliff divers and whiffers. <laughs> so I got to write about one of Sean's. Good. <laughs> where he whiffs it bad. So oh. but he's, he's a great shot. And, and, and there've been times when I'm like, man, that guy's amazing. Yeah. That's he's fun. just a good shot. That's but awesome. he's been at it a lot longer than most of us too, though. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, very cool, Andy. This has been so much fun. Um, thank you for just, just taking the time and kind of, you know, just getting to know you a little bit more and sharing some of your stories and learnings along the way, and also sharing uh, some more insights along about this book with us. Well, thank you. It has been a true pleasure. So I appreciate what you're doing and, you know, helping me spread the word and also helping people get excited about bird hunting. You know, that, yeah. 
you know. So let me ask you this: why, why the upland rookie? How long have you been bird hunting? Oh, flipping the flipping the tables. Yeah. Um. So I've been bird hunting. Uh, I would say <clears throat> I started doing a little bit of preserve hunting with my dad back in Illinois. I was probably mid twenties. And, uh, so, but I, I say I've been bird hunting since I had my first bird dog. So it's been almost five years. Um, so he'll, five turn, years. he'll turn five in August. And once I picked him up, um, it's when the kind of the, everything fast forwarded, everything went on hyperspeed, the, the dogs, the bird learning. And, uh, so I've been on a, a journey for the last five years of just, you know, learning all I can and just, um, it's, it's kind of taken, taken a hole of my life in a, in a good way, I say. Uh, just the, again, the, the, the dogs are kind of what sucked me in. And that was, yeah. that was really the kind of the, the fuel for me that, that led me, led me down this path. That's one thing about it is, it, is that it's just so addicting, you know, like, like I wrote about that first point mm. over Jib's yep. Sean's pointer. Um, and that, that first rooster pheasant was, that was it for me. Yeah, It's been downhill, all downhill for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you said, I've, I've just been, been on a journey and just, just loved it. So it is. It, it's, I it's wouldn't trade it for nothing. Absolutely. The, the most beautiful thing I think is when you see that instinctual part of a dog of a bird dog that that's bred into them that they were born to do. You, you don't teach them to point, you don't teach them to find a bird. They, that's to see what what's bred into them. That's just the part that I go, wow just wow like the, yeah. the way the way god created these dogs and yeah it's it's amazing so yeah it's what, what fuels us well keep going man you'll yeah. love it it Absolutely. only gets better yeah thank you so much andy again this has been so much fun and uh thanks for doing this you bet anytime uh, thank you take care all right buddy we'll talk to you later take care bye-bye the wrap of episode 51 with Andy Wayman. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing uh, some of your story, your passion with the listeners. And uh, it was a lot of fun uh, just chatting about the book and getting some of the behind the scenes, I guess, uh, to some of those stories and dogs and friends that you hunted with over the years. Be sure to check out Andy's book wherever books are sold, Idaho Upland Days. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, head over to YouTube. I have a channel over there. Haven't posted too much yet, but you can subscribe to that. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Don't forget about the Patreon giveaway. Um, go get signed up over there. Your chances of winning some awesome gear are very high. Uh, I want to thank Final Rise, Cable Gangs, Upland Knife Company, and Gunner Kennels. Uh, we have some great giveaways over the next four months, but you must be signed up on patreon.com. Just search the Upland Rookie Podcast. Hey, be sure to share this episode with a friend or two. Um, let them know, you know what you took away, what you enjoyed about this episode on social media, whether that be Facebook, Instagram, or whatever platform you use. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for you guys this week. Um, hope everyone is doing well and uh, having a good summer with your dogs, your friends, your family. And uh, I know we're in the, I don't know, kind of the final countdown. It feels like, at least I'd like to think we're in the final countdown to upland bird season. It's going to be here before you know it. Um, get out there, work your dogs, spend time with them. Uh, it's going to be coming up fast here. So, hey, until next time, go put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog. Take care. <laughs>